Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let, Let Me Tell You. That's how we're going to start today's episode. <laughs> oh my God, just that? We're going to scare people away. Well, it, it, listen, if they're coming back after 80 episodes... 82. They, no, we're on 81. 81, 81, but now... We're on 81. I mean, technically, if you count our half episodes, we're like on 84. Yes, but those don't count. Those, those are bonus. Those are bonus, those exactly. Bonus features. Exactly, Pretty exactly. what it is right now. <laughs> well then, everybody, welcome to episode 82. Welcome to episode 81. 81 welcome to episode wow, 81 we literally just had a conversation about this and okay you, you know what okay, you know what the problem is and i'm the one that's drinking that i still have that um carbonara on the brain oh it was good the burger was excellent. okay listeners have you guys been to the eating house here in miami yeah it's in the gables it's phenomenal it's like the size of a living room but they make this um a truffled carbonara that is like Amazing, uh, and on Wednesdays it's fifty percent off. It's fifty percent off, so it's a value. Yeah, you cannot, cannot not have so it. So we had that. We had garlic bread. We had croquetas. We I had, had popcorn. I had a burger because it was a. It's National Cheeseburger Day when we're right. recording this. And here we are in a food coma, coma bringing you, <gasps> pero let me tell you, episode 15. I mean, yes. 81, 81. And, and I'm having a drink that was made by Gio from Chat Chow, which should have its own octane rating because right. it is so high. I know. <laughs> so good, but it's so potent. Hello, Gio. Oh, thanks, brother. Anyway, bueno, everybody, welcome to episode 81, pero Friday. Mm-hmm. How's everybody's week? Well, my week has been going good. How about yours? Well, considering they're knocking down my house as we speak because of the mold, I'm okay. All things considered. <laughs> All things considered. It could, be worse. it could be worse. It could be worse. You know, so listeners, I have a little bit of a mold problem in my house. Yes. Little tiny. Tiny. Bit. They pretty much have to demolish the whole house. Like half inside. a house. Come on. And people are like, 
pero tú estás bien tranquilo y tropical over this. And I'm like, bueno, I have two options. I could either be mad with mold or I could just be... That should be the name of your, like, do-it-yourself book. A mad with mold? Mad with mold. I could either be mad with mold or I could try to take care of it. And, you know... <laughs> and you're going to choose to be graceful right. about and it. And one public adjuster later, I am taking care of it. But anyway... That's all you can do. Bueno, everybody, this, this has been a good week. Yeah. I think. Well, it's been a good week in general. I mean, I guess... It's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We're, we're well, here. no, it's Friday. It's, it's Friday. Friday. That's it's right. Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's it's Middle Friday. Uh, so, do you know what September is? Hispanic Heritage Month. It is Hispanic Heritage well, Month. Well, it's weird because we get half of September, then half of October. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's But it started. It started this week. Yes. 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 September 15th. So what do we think? What do we think about Hispanic Heritage Month? You know, we have to be different, right? It can't be September is Hispanic Heritage Month. When I can, you know, us Latinos, you know, we always arrive a little late, right? And we stay a little longer than you thought we would. Es verdad. So es verdad. This, this makes total sense. It makes total sense. Total sense. Actually, total sense. do you know why it is? Why? I so I believe something. Hispanic Heritage Week started in 1968 under the Lyndon B. Johnson administration. Oh wow! They were the ones who uh, signed a bill to have Hispanic Heritage Week. Oh, so we got um, a month now. Right, but then in 1988, under the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. they made us a full month. Aww. So we got a full month. Well, thank you. So thank ahora, you, Johnson and Reagan. <laughs> Sounds like a pharmaceutical company. Ahora, come pantera, come lechon. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's funny to me, though, because... Um, I mean, we as, have Hispanic as, heritage life. Yeah, exactly. Like Hispanic, T-shirt. Hispanic heritage year. I don't know. Um, but it's funny because, obviously, you know, being Hispanic and, and whatnot, you and I... But you know who gets really excited about Hispanic Heritage Month? King. Advertisers. Oh, okay. It's always funny to me that I will always have a client who will say something like, you know, well, what are we doing for Hispanic Heritage Month? And I'm always like, nothing. Like, it's not, it's like, I feel like advertisers want to connect with the, with the Latino, Latinx community, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, well, we have to do something. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. But it's not a big deal for us. Like, I feel like Hispanic Heritage Month in the Latino community isn't like... They don't care. It's it, it's not like Black History Month, you know, mm-hmm. where where the black community really embraces it and uses it to empower and what have you. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just feel like the Latino community is kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, thanks, okay, great, whatever. We don't care. Okay, well then, uh, no, no, no. I'm, but I'm glad you. No, actually, I'm I'm glad you uh, said that because I wrote a letter this week regarding Hispanic Heritage Month. Oh, to whom? So, anybody who listens to our show knows that I'm a big fan of the View. What did Whoopi say? So, The View on Monday uh-huh. will be uh, said, oh, and we would like to uh, acknowledge that today is the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. So, to all our, you know, Latin and Hispanic, you know, uh, viewers, friends, and, right. viewers, you know, congratulations, blah, 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 blah. So, I was like, great. So, I was very upset to see mm-hmm. that um, while there was certainly an acknowledgement of Hispanic Heritage Month, mm-hmm. there wasn't a daily um, shout out, if you will. Like today of, we're going to honor right, so and so. Because The View is very big on doing that for Black History Month. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. On, on, in February, they every single day will give a moment to... Uh, like a contribution. Uh, yes. Somebody who's... So and so, who did this, 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 and this, and this, in this year. And it's actually really interesting because you learn. You, of course. You really learn yeah, yeah. and um, you, you know... You take it back. You take it with you. you and, oh, and you'll be yeah. watching. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. Right, right. right. And then this year, mm-hmm. they started doing it for Pride. 
Oh. So in June, every day, they will make an acknowledgement of somebody who in, contributed something in the, LG- the LGBTQ community, oh, wow. so on and so forth. So you they're not doing that. Thing. They're not doing that for Hispanic Heritage Month. Really? Which led me to write the following letter. All right. Now, listeners, as you know, DJ loves the view. So how upset must he have been to write this letter? So I wrote this to their production team. Okay. Dear friends at the view. As a big fan of your show, I'm taking this opportunity to share my thoughts on the show's handling of Hispanic Heritage Month. This past Monday, I was delighted when Whoopi excitedly stated that September was Hispanic Heritage Month. As you can imagine, as a Hispanic American, I was thrilled uh, was thrilled to hear this recognition from one of my favorite shows on television. Unfortunately, this was the only mention of Hispanic Heritage Month. I incorrectly assumed that The View was going to take the same stance it took in celebrating Black History Month and Pride Month by taking a by each day by taking a moment to share the name and achievement of an African American um, or an or an LGBT person who has contributed something to our country. I was saddened that The View did not do the same for Hispanic Heritage Month. It is now more than ever to recognize the achievements of Latins and Hispanics and what we have done for our country and our progress. While I'm not happy that The View chose not to provide this tribute to the Hispanic community, Mm -hmm. I also am not going to cancel or stop watching the show over this. I am simply lending my voice to the sentiment of many. I will continue to watch and enjoy the show, and I hope that next year we can be properly acknowledged. Sincerely, Darian Borges. I fucking love you. <laughs> that is, I'm gonna kudos to you, sir. That that was really well spoken, and I love the fact how you're just like, look, it's I'm not canceling you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna start a fucking boycott cancel about <laughs> cancel, you know, cancel the view. It's not that, but no, that was very well thought out. And you know what? That that I I didn't know they did that for the other months. They do. So they do. That's why it caught me by surprise. It's a little because more. again, and like for example, this year when they did it for Pride, mm-hmm. they were very big on like. Because this was the first year they did it for Pride, okay. okay. So they were very big on it, and they like, made a big deal. And like a, when this, right, right. when the segment would air, like the whole um, oh, so it had set, its own. When they would come back from commercial after the first segment, so mm-hmm. it would be the second segment of the show. Mm-hmm. That's when they would, you know. Do have it. this okay. and like for Pride Month, like the old, like the whole stage would, you know, obviously be the Pride flag. Like okay. they really got into it. Right, right. Um, so I just, I, I thought that. I mean, okay, they're doing it for Black History Month. They're doing it for Pride Month. Especially for Pride Month. Because although Pride is a really big deal now, I still don't feel it's like at the level of Black History Month that, you know, in terms of the achievements of African Americans. In, in terms of that, of calling out achievements. At, at least, yeah. Uh, in, in, in a public... Right, like, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. schools, I, I know in schools you know, you have Black History Month. When correct, correct. We would study that. I don't feel that Pride in June is there is yet. Is at that level, correct. Right? Correct. Um, it should be, and it, it deserves should, a recognition. It should be. It should be. So, but, 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 I, but I assumed right. that, you know, going over, they're giving it to Pride Month. Of Hispanic, course, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month. Right, has to be they're, next. We're going we're gonna to get our, our day, yeah. our daily Damn dose. Gloria's so. getting one day, at least. Yeah, and you know what was even... You know, I really thought about this. I'm like, listen, you know, I'm thinking two of their panelists are Hispanic because Sonny Hostin is Puerto Rican. Well, She's Afro Latina. And Ana Navarro. Yeah. You know, friend of the podcast. Well, Ana, well, friend of the podcast. So Ana Navarro is one Latina that is really like 10. You know, that's because- true. 
That's true. It's she, one voice that's like 10, really. She's got that power. Yes, she does. So, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed, oh. but, you know, I you know, I understand from production value, you know, they have a lot to put in the show, especially now that, like, they're gearing up with, eh. you know, elections okay, and but debates and all the that The election stuff. is next year. I'm going to follow it. But a little shout-out would have been nice. I mean, they can take a freaking, you know, five minutes, even if it's at the end of each Hot Topics, yeah. you know. To... A little shout-out would be nice. So, let me ask Aww. you this. So, for Hispanic Heritage Month, mm-hmm. who would you give a shout-out to? Who would I give a shout-out to for Hispanic Heritage Month? I actually, the first person that popped into my mind, it's, it's funny, I've, I've spoken about this on the on the podcast before, actually a couple times. Um, I would give it to Desi Arnaz. Okay. I would give it to Desi Arnaz. Um, you know, we can make the argument that he was the first Latino that this country really welcomed mm-hmm. into their home. On a you know weekly basis, mm-hmm. um, you know him and and Lucio Ball created a studio. They really created a lot of the sitcom tropes, if you will, that mm-hmm. are still part of the sitcom genre to this day. But also, most importantly, he is the one who came up with the multi-camera filming approach that is still used to this day in sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing of using you know I think at the time it was a three-camera approach so that they could. Film the living room and then cut to, because this was all live TV, mm-hmm. cut to that other camera so that then when they come into the bedroom, you've got the shot. And then they go into the kitchen, you've got the shot. Mm-hmm. That was pioneered by him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a contribution that I guess most people wouldn't think of as quote unquote important. Mm-hmm. But it's such a, it's still to this day. such right. a, 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 a That's a, one a, of those groundbreaking contributions that people don't like, think about. Don't think about. Don't think yeah. about. Yeah. So I would definitely give it to Desi Arnaz right off the okay. bat. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Being that I like threw it at you with like no preparation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like thanks. <laughs> Pulled it out thin air. I would give it to Nitsa Viapol. Nitsa Viapol. Okay. Yeah. How do you spell that? Uh, uh, <laughs> I believe it's N I T Z A uh-huh. and Villa. Okay. As in Villa. Okay. Pol. You've never heard of her? I have never heard this name. So Nita Villapol is Cuban and she she actually studied at Harvard and MIT in the 1940s, I believe. Okay. And she is considered the Cuban or Hispanic Julia Child. Because she Oh, you've wrote, spoken about her she before. She wrote cookbooks and she had a television show in the early 1950s. Wow. So she actually had... She predates. She predates Julia Child. So you wow. can kind of make an argument that she was the first, if you know, if not the first one, one of. of the first people to come out in television in a cooking show. Hmm. Yeah, and she wrote, um, she wrote a very, like, popular cooking book, uh, The Comida Criolla, which is kind of... Um, it's kind of the equivalent to Julia Child's um, uh, the French the, uh, mastering French. the art of French cooking. Uh-huh. It's called uh, Cocina al Minuto, which is oh, wow. kind of like, if you say the Bible, of Comida Criolla. And what was very interesting about her was her family, her family was communist. So she stayed in Cuba until she died in, I believe, the 1990s or early 2000s. Oh, wow. Okay. And... Although she was a communist, they say, she wasn't very politically active. Like, she wasn't a voice for the communist government. Okay, but she wasn't opposed but, to it either. But she, uh, and her family was known to be communist. But aside from politics, mm-hmm. she um, she adjusted her book, Cocina al Minuto, mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Uh, that's when Cuba was going through the yeah, Epoca de Periodo Especial, <laughs> when they had nothing yeah. to eat. Very she special. She adjusted very her recipes to the... 
ingredients and things that were available to Cuba at that time. So instead, talk about vegan. So instead of saying, you know, <laughs> un, vamos a suponer, um, Ay, un bistec, like a la palomilla, uh -huh. with onions. Sí, sí. De ver un bistec era como eh, plantain, eh, the plantain, not the plantain, the plantain uh, uh, peel. El, el, la hoja. La hoja de, no, the peel of oh, the, the plantain. Peel, the, like, peel. the peel of the plantain. You would marinate it and you would season it like a regular steak and kind of, you know, fry it like a steak, you know. Which I'm then like, turned into, you know, a... Viste empanizada was made out of los palos de trapear. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, look at you, Nita Villapol being all vegan in, you know, the 1990s. Lo que, you es, know? Lo que es la necesidad. Yeah. So, she, she's a very interesting character. Like, when, hmm. when you can read about her, she's a very she's very interesting because, again, she, in the early 1950s, she has a, a, she had a Cuban uh, cooking show. And the cooking show ran from the early 50s. So, this was before the revolution. True. Through, yeah. through the 90s. So, I mean... It's one of the longest running TV shows, I think, ever. Wow, longer than Supernatural? Or Sábado Gigante. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's somebody we should give it to. There's somebody... Don Francisco. Don Francisco. Don Francisco, definitely. definitely no, Don Francisco gets our best in show. Like, he gets, like, the ultimate... Like, yeah, like, like the miscongeniality. Like, the ultimate, like... Yeah. You know, Hispanic. Don Francisco, let me tell you something. That is hashtag growing up Hispanic. If Don Francisco was not part of your life. I don't even understand. I don't know. You, you didn't have a childhood. We, you didn't. It's sad. I, I feel for you. <laughs> I do. I feel for you. So, yeah. So, would it be funny if, like, The View responds to me? They're like, yes, Mr. Borges. We have read your letter, and now we are going to have Hispanic Uh Listen, I hope you better have said that you're a, a co-host on a podcast <laughs> that talks about them all the damn time. Because if, if you're getting free publicity, I want in on those coattails. All right, sir? So, um, speaking a little bit of cancel culture... Which obviously, you know, we don't like. And we love as such, it. What are you talking about? But as such, I did not cancel the exactly, view. Exactly, exactly. So, I know that you threw that in there. Well, because I think it's true. And I, no, it I, is. But, I, but the thing is, I wouldn't have even thought about it. Because again, since we're not cancel culture people, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have dawned on me to even mention it. So we kind of briefly touched upon this okay. last week. But this week, it blew up. Okay. So, as you know, um, SNL announced oh, last yes, week yes. that they had had hired the first Asian American, <laughs> and I think he's gay, a gay Asian American on SNL Asian. for the first time. I think he's oh Asian. my god, yeah. I'm gonna look that up right now. Anyway, you... but the first Asian American to be on SNL after 45 years. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but that news was kind of overshadowed in a way. <laughs> A little bit by the firing of this other comedian who got who got hired at the same time. Yeah, they were all part of the, the new class, right? Who got fired by the name of um, Shane Gillis, right? So Shane Gillis was hired uh, by SNL to be in the upcoming season that is premiering, uh, I believe, September twenty eighth, and it's going to be the forty fifth season of SNL, and um, he was fired, and. Yeah. The reason he was fired was because some time ago, I don't, I don't know if it was a couple of months ago or last year. It was recent. It, you can't even, you can't say that this was something that happened, you know, twenty years ago or whatever. He, uh, he was on a podcast, right? Yes, he, he was, was on a podcast, podcast. and yeah. they were joking yeah. around. He was making some jokes, and some jokes were, you know, laughing at certain races. Uh, races. Uh, another joke was homophobic. So yeah, on and, and, so forth. and some of them just didn't make sense, quite honestly. So he was fired. And as such, you know, we start talking about cancel culture. 
Um, a lot of comedians have come to his defense. Um, Who? Which comedians have come to his yeah, defense? Yeah, because I haven't heard about the people coming to his defense. Um, other Saturday Night Live legends like Joe Piscopo, Rob Schneider, and Norm MacDonald. It's nice that you use the word legend in Joe Piscopo. <coughs> Why? Because I don't think anybody other than Joe Pisco okay, well, I'm, would I'm call himself it. a legend. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and Dave Chappelle and Adam Carolla did not necessarily come out um, specifically in his defense, but talked about cancel culture and how, you know, we need to be very careful because, because comedians could get canceled, so on and so forth. Right. Uh, and as we discussed last week um, and the week before, because a week before I talked about the Dave Chappelle um, yeah. comedy show, Sticks and Stones, which is out now on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about how kind of um, comedy is, Pushing we've always buttons. held comedy at a different standard in terms of, you know, making people feel uncomfortable without necessarily go. personally attacking someone. Right. Um, and we had that whole conversation. So this guy gets fired. Is it cancel culture? Is it, you know, is he different. properly fired? Do you think SNL should have done more due diligence? Uh, well, definitely SNL should have done more due diligence. I think that's that's for sure. Um, I think in this case, it's it's interesting because again, we, we did just talk about um, you know the Dave Chappelle show uh, stand up special. In the Dave Chappelle stand up special. He Did was. Did finally watch it? I haven't watched it yet. But based on what you're telling me, you know, he was using things that make people uncomfortable to make you think. Mm -hmm. Whereas this guy was just saying things to be offensive. You know. I haven't heard his jokes. It was, well, but I, okay, from what I've read, from what I've read, it wasn't. Again, and it could have been out of context, but from what I gather, it wasn't like he was telling a joke and it was, you know, set up. Oh my god, that's so offensive! But then he kind of like would come around and turn it around, you know, and and be like, "Oh, now you made me think about something." It was, you know, just it was just random things that he would say. No, there were and, jokes. And, and you, no, no, no. But what I mean is, it, but there but, but they were in the context of a joke, right? But it wasn't. There was no layering to it. Is what I'm saying. I can I can forgive something that most people will deem offensive within a comedy act if it's layered, if it's nuanced, if it has, you know, a deeper punchline to it. But, you know, his, from what I gather, his jokes were almost the equivalent of just, you know, somebody being like, well, yeah, but that bitch fat. Okay, well, you know what I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here, but wouldn't you say then that that falls into a situation? I would just say that makes him not funny. Well, I wouldn't mean, that fall into a situation, though, that comedy is subjective, and what you find funny, I may not fun, find funny and vice versa? Fair enough, but it's a slippery slope, too. I mean, there's some people out there who probably find the Holocaust hilarious. Nope. I don't. No, I'm just saying, I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, where where do you draw that line, then? How far down the slope do you have to go? I think I have not heard the jokes mm -hmm. first hand. Right. So I have a little bit of a problem, you know, justifying it one way or another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will go back to what I said with Dave Chappelle. Um, you know, comedy, it, I feel comedy's held at a different standard. Mm -hmm. And when done right, Again, I don't know Correct. if this guy did it right. Right. When done right, it's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be funny, but not fun. Right. And, you know, there's a way of, 
laughing at people and provoking people and pushing people and making few people feel uncomfortable without necessarily feeling personally attacked and that's an art form that's what that's that's, that's the talent what, of that's a successful comedian that's yeah. why some people are comedians and, and some, people some people are, are accountants um right. again i don't know in his case i will i just have a problem with cancel culture I have, altogether I, I, likewise but i will say this i feel like in this case there's also i will lay the the blame for lack of a better word for all that has transpired at the feet of the SNL people. Because again, this is something that nowadays going into it, you you have to know what could potentially happen for somebody who's made these types of comments, whether they're in the right context, funny context, or what have you, right? So you got to do your due diligence first and foremost. I don't think that they did that, especially because it's not a case like, for instance, um, with like Kevin Hart, right? Where Kevin Hart came under attack, but it was for things that he had said you know, what, 10 plus years ago. This was like last year when he was on a podcast. So you can't even say that it's somebody who like, oh, well, we didn't know, or it's somebody who, you know. And Kevin Hart had apologized. Correct, correct. What I'm saying is this happened like a year ago. You can't, a simple Google search would have found this out. And if you still want to hire this person, even after you find this out, because you find that their talent outweighs what they've done, you should still know about it to get out in front of it. Because the worst thing in the world is to be caught with your pants down in that type of situation where you're like, oh shit, we didn't know this? Yeah, ellos me dieron la pata. Tremendo me dieron la pata. That's because, what I'm saying. At the end of the day, it's, like, it's it, they gave him this job offer. They found, you know, what he had done already existed. That's like so if what, right now you go to a job, right? And then after they hire you and then they're like, okay, you start on Monday. Oh, by the way, now we need you to do a drug test. And then they fire. It's like, right. wait, but why didn't you? Why didn't you do this before? Or, oh, we just found out you. You know, you're a mass murderer. Well, right. no, you do that research before. Right. I yeah. I, I agree. I mean, but again, I, I the bigger conversation of it is cancel culture. I, I just I feel very un- uncomfortable with cancel culture because this is something that I mean we've talked about it here in the show. As more and more of our lives are under. Under on display, on display. On display, whether yeah. it's social media, whether it's YouTube, whatever. Listen, you and I have a podcast. Five years from now, God right. knows who's so, going right. to you know, something What that you said. said in episode 15, you know, five years ago yeah. in this segment, you said blah, 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 right. blah, blah. And again, taken out of context. Right, taken out of context. You don't know what has happened in my life in that amount of time. Um, you know, we, we all have a, a, a virtual trail. Oh, I like that. Right? We're, we're all going to have a virtual trail. Yeah. So... I mean, when when does it start? When does it end? You know, what are you going to hold against us? What are you not? You know, and who makes that determination? Right. If if you see me, you know, in pictures of me parting my ass off in spring break from ten, twelve years ago. Don't lie. It was just you, me, and Cancun at an upfront. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Those pictures do exist. Yes. Those pictures do exist. <laughs> they do exist. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying is like, are you going to hold that against me? You know, 10, 12 yeah. years later, like, I, I mean, there, there's going to come a point where, as a society, you know, enough, enough, like, like we're, this is the line, and we're going to draw it here because yeah. it's like you're you're holding me, you're holding me to, you're holding my 21 year old self to the same level as my 40 year old self. In completely right. different times. In completely different times, you know, you grow, you learn, you right. experience. No, and so, and life. social mores change as well. Right. right. I mean, I. I mean, we talked about this last week or two weeks with, ago. With the friends. With the friends. Yeah. I still cannot believe that that is a thing. Yes, it is. That they're trying to woke test friends. 
Friends. Yeah. One of the most benign shows there shows are. in the world. Yeah. Oh, whatever. As long as we don't get canceled, we're good. Well, you know, we publish ourselves. So in order for us to get canceled, the executives would have to be upset and the executives are us. So very difficult. That is the great thing of having artistic freedom. Exactly. Now I understand when all these celebrities would fight record companies. I'm going to write slave on my on my cheek like Prince. Sue my record company like George Michael. <laughs> Stop appearing! Stop appearing! And well, we don't have music videos. <laughs> we'll start making music videos and then stop appearing right. in them. So, Damn okay. It. So here's a fun little nugget. Let's I love fun gears a little bit. So this week, uh, Wallet Hub, which I'm not sure what they are, but what? they released a. We're not uh, sure what you are, but if you're looking to sponsor a podcast, well, because <laughs> we're here. Well, you know what, Wallet Hub. Actually, I did look. It's like a credit repair, credit monitoring oh, okay, service. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and it's. They're legit enough that this was featured on the Today Show. And oh, this is okay. where I got it. Which from. hour? The third hour. Okay. Okay. I feel like once you got to the fourth hour, it's a little more fluff. No, it's the third hour. Okay. Al Roker was okay. the one talking about this. Okay. Um, so they released a list of the funnest cities in America. Ooh, yay! So get. Can you name the top five? Five funnest. Funnest. Okay. All right. Before I name it, I'm gonna ask like one question. Are the top five like cities you would normally think about, or are there like left yeah. are like left field? Yeah, it's not like you know, Madison, Wisconsin is up there. Maybe it is. I don't know. Listen, that you know, making cheese. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, funnest cities. I want to say I'm gonna go for the obvious one, Manhattan. <clears throat> it's in the top five. Well, New York. Okay, New York. Um, Miami. We're in the top five, baby. All right, Chicago. Top five. Oh, I'm having. I don't know if to pick LA or San Francisco. Uh, Neither. I'm both. Oof. Seattle. Uh, You're missing a really obvious one. Orlando. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And now you're missing an even more obvious one. Fun. Where do you go to have a blast? <laughs> Baltimore, Maryland? Las Vegas, Chico, and we were just there. (laughs) Because when you started saying fun, I thought you were referencing the Cosby Show episode of Big Fun. Here's the top ten. With the wretched. Here's the top ten. Number one, Las Vegas. Number two, Orlando. Number three, New York. Number four, Miami. Number five, Chicago. Number six, Atlanta. Seven, San Francisco. Eight, Portland. Portland is fun. I've been. I've been to Portland, too. Um, I don't know if when I think back to Portland, I think fun, but uh, number nine, San Diego, oh, number ten, LA. Portland, that's what I have. I, I just, I just think it's interesting that Portland is above New Orleans or Honolulu. But anyway, I guess it depends on what the parameters were. But anyway, that is the top ten. So, what do we think about this list? That we're number four. Well, we cracked the top five. Who are do we? Who are we above? Do you know what I think is really interesting? Who are we above? Fort Lauderdale is number twenty-four, and there's a reason I want a Fort Lauderdale shame. I don't have a problem against Fort Lauderdale. Okay. I, I love. I, I spent many a fun Thursday night in Wilton. I, and I love Fort Lauderdale. I yes. love. I, yes. I love Fort Lauderdale. It's the freaking same metropolitan area as Miami, for God's sake. It actually, it's the same. What area. I can stand is when people come to South Florida 
and they go to Fort Lauderdale and they don't come to Miami, you know, a whole 21 miles away. It's like, it's what <laughs> I say. No tienen un carro, you it's, know. Uh, bueno, they don't have a car. They could take the Brightline. The Brightline offers great service from Miami, Fort Lauderdale to West Palm. That's true. And they have actually a lot of specials at any given time. I mean, we've so, been okay. on the Brightline. It's an right. amazing experience. Fair enough. Fair enough. And they'll be here. They don't have to deal with traffic. That's the best part about yeah. it. You don't yeah. hate fucking traffic. Yeah, but I've never understood that. It's like, oh, we're going to Fort Lauderdale. We're hanging out in Fort Lauderdale. We're going to go party with our friends. It's like, yeah, bitch. Did he come down to Miami? Because, <laughs> you know, as I always say, going to Fort Lauderdale and not going to Miami it's like going to New York City and being like yeah I went to Brooklyn did you go to Manhattan no then you didn't go to New York City I mean, am I saying something that's not true sure taking a sip no you're not you're not saying something that's not true I will say though I kind of like I know you're I know you love Miami Beach I love Miami Beach but I actually prefer the Fort Lauderdale Beach only okay. oh. only because of the fact that when I've stayed there, I always stay at like the hotel right on the that's across fine. The and that's so, fine. So I get that appeal. That's fine. But if you fly all the way down to South Florida and you're staying in Fort Lauderdale, you mean to tell me that you're not going to take at least a one day trip to that's Miami? That's true. That's true. It's like coming to Miami and not going to the Keys. What about even the keys are further? No, but right. illegal in that sense. I mean, you, you can Miami take a for Lauderdale mm-hmm. is literally twenty-one hour. miles. It's a half hour down I ninety-five. On a clear day, you could see downtown Miami from Fort Lauderdale. From where? From the Turnpike? Really? From the I ninety-five? I mean, yeah. Oh, she okay. goes see from the top of the Panorama Tower. You could see the Bahamas on a clear day. I don't know what the Panorama Tower. That's is. currently the tallest city in Miami. She don't know anything. I know nothing. So let's see what's the bottom of the list. What's the least fun? These are the fun ones. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's so, see. what parameters did they use to? I'm to, not. To don't gauge. ask me the the. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask you questions you don't have the answers to. <laughs> okay, let's see. It's 182 cities, which oh, I think I, is interesting. That's so many places to. So, visit. in the bottom, they have a lot of cities in California. New Haven, Connecticut, is 175. Well, I mean, I don't think of Connecticut as the bastion of fun frivolity. Bridgeport, Connecticut, South Burlington, Vermont, Laredo, Texas, Bismarck, North North Dakota. There's wow. something. In, isn't there something in Bismarck? in Bismarck, like, like I don't know, one of the mountains or something. In Bismarck, no, North Dakota. Yeah. No, because I'm not sure because uh, the Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota. Oh, okay. So then again, I know nothing. So yeah. So we're number four. 
That's, I think Miami is a fun city. It is a fun city. It has its moments. I mean, again, I'd like to understand what they mean by fun. You know what I mean? Because if they're just okay. talking, if they're just talking like party city, then okay, we well, be further then here we go. Okay. <laughs> Everybody likes to have fun, but we prefer our personal brand of good time. Some people like trying new restaurants, traveling, going to bars or clubs, playing outdoor sports. Other enjoy roller coaster rides, going to movies, or playing video games. But having fun can be expensive. The Bureau of Labor Statistics report that the average American spends three thousand dollars on entertainment. Wow. Yeah. Wait, is that a month? A year? A year, Chico. A month, yes. Well, I, I don't know. To help Americans find the cities with the greatest number number and variety of fun, yet cost-effective options, WalletHub compared more than 180 U.S. cities based on 66 key metrics. The range from fitness centers per capita to movie costs to average open hours of breweries, so on and so forth. Read for the winners and money-saving advice from the experts. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because when they started when they started talking about the the restaurants, like when we were growing up, I feel like there were not as many. Okay, so really quick, yeah, in the methodology, okay, okay. number of attractions, uh, how many top TripAdvisor attractions, oh, coffee okay, and okay. tea shops, restaurants per capita, diversity of restaurants, ice cream and frozen yogurt, bowling alleys, baseball and softball, uh, uh, teams baseball or diamonds, and softball. Yeah, well, no, because going to a game in like oh, oh. the Yankees is that's a, right, that's right, is that's a destination. The thing, yeah. the thing. Uh, golf courses, tennis courses, public swimming pools, beaches, oh, so they measured everything, um, fishing facilities. Marinas, uh, water amusement parks, hiking trails, spas, shopping centers, um, sports venues, fitness uh, venues, movie theaters, performing arts, cultural centers, civic centers, festivals, arcades, museum parks. So it's extensive, uh, right? And, and nightlife. How many pool houses, lounges, beer gardens, um, yeah. music venues, dance club, uh, gay dance clubs, underground dance clubs. Oh. Alternative dance clubs. So many dance clubs, subgenres. Casinos per capita. Co- I think we're going to say casino dance clubs. Uh, <laughs> and on and on and on. So we're number four. I'll take it. I'm happy. Thank you very much, Wallet Hub people. I think Miami's a, gr- a fun city. I, I it, think has, it has fun places. It has fun things to do. Aki, there's something for everybody. You can yeah. go to the beach. You could go to the suburbs. You could go you to go, downtown. You go dancing. You go to a comedy club. You can go to the movies. You can... Or you could just stay home and watch Salo Gigante. No. Mejor pretexto para quedarse en casa. Are you going to time travel oh, first? Because yeah. that's not even on Netflix. No. <laughs> I do have the last episode recorded. Oh, so. that doesn't anyway. surprise me at all, though. No. So so we're fun people. We are fun. Pero let me tell you, tells you. But let me tell you, we're fun. So today I spent, a, well, I spent actually all day with my cousin because um, we're looking for a long-term oh, um, yeah. hospital care for my uncle. And um, we went to about a couple of hospitals here. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to this one particular hospital, which, you know, there was a gentleman who greeted us. Right. This was by appointment and okay. he greeted us and extremely professional totally on the Um, up and up right so extremely professional he knew my uncle's case in and out because i mean basically his his job is to sell you that hospital right right. right? um because so then the person can get transferred there and it's a seamless transition and 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 then you know from there like the medical team picks up where the regular hospital Mm -hmm, uh, mm lets you know left off because these long-term care hospitals it's not hospice because you know a lot of times hospice is to kind of like it's end of life scenarios. end of life scenarios and no right. no this is like people here are trying to get better it's right, just that right. it's gonna take months and months right so it's longer than a hospital the traditional hospital you know can only go to a certain mm-hmm. extent so anyway you know he was very very professional and um very well dressed and he knew my 
uncle's case in and out and he was talking to my cousin and I how um you know how uh everything you know how it would progress and right 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 I just loved the whole experience because the hospital was in Little Havana. Yeah, empezaste bien. Okay. The building is, again, very professional looking, very, you know, okay. up to date okay. and all that. Okay. So we're there talking and I'm having a, a bit of a cough, right? Okay. Oh, Entonces viene, viene the lady who was sitting like next to me in the lobby. He goes, mira, mijito, yo tengo aquí dos pastillitas de holes. De holes. Porque yo te voy tosiendo. And I'm like, ay, señora, muchas gracias. Pero no, 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 no. Son... No, 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 son las últimas que yo tengo. Pero no te preocupes. Que yo tengo mucho más en la casa. Porque en CVS por el Medicaid me, da, me las dan casi gratis. Oh, my God, yes. Me dan casi gratis. You know, because she... What I loved, those, those are like the details of like, grow, like growing up Hispanic or, you know, Hispanic yeah, yeah, yeah. culture. It's those little details. They just can't be like, hey, you know, uh, look, do you want a, a cough drop? Don't worry, I've got a lot. You know, I've got a lot. No, no, mijito, es que yo tengo en la casa, tengo da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, thank you. I really didn't need a cough drop. Because I was about to, like, <laughs> you were about to die. Out. So, yeah. so anyway, so the gentleman gives us a tour of the, of the hospital. You know, we were very impressed. So he finally takes us to the main, like, floor mm-hmm. where, is, where the rooms are at, okay. right? And it looks like a regular hospital. Mm-hmm. And again, these are all professionals. These are medical professionals. Right. He comes in here and he's like, Nereida, ¿cómo están los hijos? Ay, mijito, de lo más bien. Kissing everybody. Everybody coming up to, Oye, Carlos. Oye, ¿cómo, esto, cómo fue Punta Cana? Oye, ¿tienes un tan? <laughs> Then somebody else will come to him and be like, Oye, Francisco, ¿cómo está? And I'm thinking like, this is amazing. This is like amazing. This is the epitome Because of here, this. here we are. They're giving us like this formal tour of the hospital right, professional very professional it is a hospital it's right, not like they're right. giving us a promotional tour of i don't know a timeshare <laughs> you know of a hospital right. uh which you know it's a delicate thing right right, right. And, yeah, that's true. you know and he was like oh you know i'm sorry you know it's just that you know i've, I've worked here for a long time and i know everybody i'm like no clearly well no yeah <laughs> but you're not new <laughs> but everybody was like but i thought it was so funny y como te fue en punta cana ¿Y cómo están los niños? <laughs> Oye, tú mandaste al niño a la escuela que me ibas a... Like, just like everybody, you know? And, and I, I thought, it is that, like, lack of, you know, rigidity, I guess? That, 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 and like, that... That pomp and circumstance. Right, like, you yeah. know, because I'm thinking, like, if we, this would have been a hospital in, like, New England, it would have been like, oh, this is right here is yes. our uh, ward, you know. Named after the ward. multimillionaire family, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, um, you know, Howard Schultz um, <laughs> wing, and here's the Eunice Baker wing. Oh, and, Eunice um, Baker. Yeah, whereas here in Miami, we have the Alex Hanna Law Library at the St. Thomas Law School. And why not? <laughs> It's, his law is just as good as anybody but, else's. But I thought, you know, that is... It's like little things like that that... Every, oh, oh, of course. Ustedes en café? Well, claro. Ustedes en café? Because when we were... Because if not, they're just being When rude. we were passing by the nurse's station, you know, somebody came con una, un cortadito. Eran, eran como las tres de la tarde. Eh, it was like two. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ya mataron a Lola. Um, sure. it, they, and they're like, ¿Ustedes toman café? And then, of course, I have to be like, no, I don't. <laughs> Pero no toma and café. then you have no. to go through the whole thing. Like, oh God, like, no, no, I just, no, thanks. But again, it's like those small little, like, little things that if you don't step outside of the situation, you don't even notice that are so much your culture. Correct. And so much yeah, you yeah, yeah. It's We're so always talking nature. about our culture and how we're 
similar but so different, you know, from other people. And it's those little things like that that it just it warms you. Warms the cockles. Yeah, that it's like, Konya, we're here in a hospital. <laughs> They're like, Konya. Total. <laughs> Like, I love it. I love it. My cousin and I were cracking up. But that's also, I guess it's also nice, you know, because that's a situation where you're already kind of stressed and you're right. already, you're not in a very jovial mood, right? right? But at least you walk into an environment like that and it does, it does help. It, it, there's a warmth to it. So, yeah. something to be said for that, I guess. From the cough drop to, <laughs> to the <laughs> cafecito to Punta Cana. Yeah, to Punta Cana. It was great. Oh, I, when I, that was happening, I'm like, oh, I'm, I gotta talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> well, from Punta Cana to Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. our guest. Vamos pa' aquí. Vamos pa' allá. Toda Puerto Rico. No, I don't know the rest. That's a comer pastel, that's the same one. Gandule, oh, Rome. Oh, you don't know anything. And then you say, I don't know anything. You don't know anything, sir. Okay. Um, but our guest today is singer and act Puerto Rican singer and activist Annie Cordero. Actually, when you're hearing this, her album El Machete will have dropped today on September 20th. And she talks to us about her music and just, you know, her activism and her being a Georgia Rican. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really how she's contributed, uh, taken on the plight of Puerto Rico and really put it through in her music as well as giving back by starting an organization that helps artists on the mm-hmm. island. So... Hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here's our chat with Annie Cordero. So listeners, thank you so much. As we mentioned, we have with us today singer, artist, activist, um, renaissance woman, Renaissance woman, really, at the end of the day, uh, Annie Cordero. So thank you so much for joining us on Pero Let Me Tell You, Annie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Annie... Obviously, you know, for those who may not know, you know, you are a, I, I, I don't want to say singer or even activist. I really do want to refer to you almost as just artist, really, in, in the most pure sense of that word, because, you know, what you do encompasses all of, all of that. You know, you sing, you write, you produce, you know, you have your album coming out September 20th on your own record label. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're definitely, I think DJ said it right, a renaissance woman, and that definitely speaks to the artist in you. But for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you give us a little, you know, cliff notes on who is uh, Annie Cordero? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a Georgia Rican that's been living in New York for 20 years. I love that, a Georgia and- Rican. And I um, go to Puerto Rico quite a bit. My family's still there. And I started off playing as a drummer and touring as a drummer. And I still occasionally tour in other people's projects as drummer. Um, But I also write my own songs. And so in my own music, I sing primarily in Spanish and choose to use my music as... I mean, it's my own way of processing whatever's happening in my life and in the world. Um, but in general, I aim to use it as a platform for having um, discussions about social injustice and uh, feminism and all those other uh, really important themes. Did you start in terms of your music? Did you know you want to be specifically a singer uh, or a musician when you were a little girl or or did you discover that later i always wanted to be a drummer and i still like think of myself as a drummer first in a way it's like even this many years in um it's still my most comfortable instrument although singing is getting about equal now um 
so I wanted to play drums since I can remember, and then I finally just bought a drum set with some babysitting money when I was a teenager, and set it up and started playing in bands. Wow. Now, obviously, you know, you, uh, first of all, we're totally gonna gonna count this as your trademark of Georgia Regan because I've never heard that before. So definitely. No, no. <laughs> you know who who gave me that is um, the writer Judith Ortiz Colfer. Oh. So I don't want to take credit for it. <laughs> Um, she autographed a book to me, to my fellow Dodrican, because she was um, teaching at UGA at the time. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, obviously, as a Georgia Rican, um, you know, Puerto Rico and, and really a lot of the themes of, of, you know, being Puerto Rican, being Latino, are very evident in a lot of your works. I'm actually going to go ahead and quote uh, what was said here. Um, you know which, uh, about your your song "Pang Pang Si Mantequilla," which, by the way, if you haven't seen the video yet, guys, you have to. It's it's just very very like it it, it definitely makes a statement. Um, but you said here, you know, Puerto Ricans have collectively had enough, and we will not back down until our voices are heard and respected. We know the history, we know the facts, and we won't go back. Borinquen has awoken, and it's beautiful. A pueblo he que manda ahora. Now, how, prophet how prophetic was that given everything that's been happening, you know, with, with Puerto Rico? And obviously, you know, you, you've been putting that out through your art. Well, I think that it's been a steady evolution. Uh, you know, this is not a new movement. So it's just been gaining more and more traction as the truth uh, comes to the surface. It was even before the hurricanes that we were having fiscal austerity measures that are so unjust. So the there's always. Are you talking about promesa? I'm talking about promesa, yeah. but I'm also talking about the bad deals for tax breaks for companies and like just you know the Jones Act, for example. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. been that archaic forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been a bad end of the stick for Puerto Rico for a long time, and I think that people at this point, you know, I was in Puerto Rico in July during the um, countdown to Rosselló leaving office. And at this point, I don't think, I think it is a new Puerto Rico. We have, we have seen a new Puerto Rico wake up and come together. And I'm actually optimistic. I mean, I think that with what happened with Puerto Rico now with the governor, I, I think if, if that wasn't a model for democracy, I don't know what is. Because the way that Puerto Rico was able to effectively and, and for the most part peacefully, you know, remove the governor. I mean, that's something that you should really, as a Puerto Rican, be proud of. Because I feel that that's something that not, not everybody has been able to be successful at. Yeah, I'm tremendously proud about it. Um, the and so grateful to the people that um, really the organizers and and the artists and everyone who came out in such a diverse and creative way to make their voices heard. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. Now, one of the reasons why I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show and um, have this chat, and you know, I know we're we're you know we're getting political here and you know talking about you know stuff you know stuff that you know is is outside of the realm of your music but it is very much a part of your well, music. Well, I mean, let's not forget 
her album on September that's coming out is called El Machete, El Machete. in reference to Los Macheteros. Right. I and think so she's political. <laughs> I think a lot of people. Um, Pretty political. Yeah, you know, political. I'm... I think a lot of people maybe don't understand um, exactly the status of Puerto Rico. You know, um, that's why I've been wanting to have a Puerto Rican voice, like especially an activist, on the show for so long. I think a lot of people assume that because Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of the United States, oh, everything is fine, everything is great. You know, it's like, oh, they're, they're part of the U.S., they're good. So, I mean, if you could briefly talk about a little bit about the perils and, you know, challenges that the status of Puerto Rico causes the island. Well, it's a colony. So whenever you have a group of people who can have no self-determination, then it's it's colony it's it's a colonial situation. So that's what is happening in Puerto Rico right now. And while it's true that you can decide to abandon the island and then as a Puerto Rican in the states have full voting privileges for president, for example. Um, that's not the case if you are a resident of the island. And so that just is one a very obvious uh, way that uh, the situation in Puerto Rico is difficult because our hands are tied. We have to follow federal laws that we cannot, when while not being able to vote for president directly. So... Uh, for example, the, the Jones Act is like one of the main um, things that's encumbering in a way the, the economy because it makes everything so expensive because it needs to go to Florida first um, because of the rules about where goods have to come in to one port right. and then they can be distributed. So we can't just get goods from Jamaica unless they only want to go to that one port ever. So that causes all kinds of unnecessary costs. While, like, at this point, like, 80% of the food for, in Puerto Rico is coming from outside of the island, and that makes no sense when we have such fertile land where, you know, things grow without you even trying. Um, so why can't we, why are we in this situation? Well, because it benefits U.S. corporations. Right, right. And I think, I think... You know, a lot of people especially um, don't understand or even know, for that matter, the whole issue with, you know, taxation and representation. The fact that Puerto Rico does pay federal taxes. You pay federal taxes when you're living in Puerto Rico, but you have no representation in Congress. I mean, I know you have one representative, but the representative, I believe, doesn't... Does not get a vote. Does not get a vote. So you really don't. You're just there. Yeah. You know, I, they can say please. Right. Which, which I think it's so ironic that based that taxation without representation is the hallmark of the U.S. Of the US revolution. History, everything. Of U.S. history. Yeah. So that's why I mentioned PROMESA, because I know that when the Obama administration passed the PROMESA... Um, and can you elaborate a little bit for our listeners? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let her go into it, because okay. she knows more than I do. But it was pretty much, if I'm... If I'm, if I'm Correct me if I'm wrong. Promesa, which, as you said, is all these austerity measures for the island, was passed by Washington D.C. without any input of the Puerto Rican people, right? Um, I mean, obviously, you, if you'd like to elaborate on that, because I know you know more a lot more than me on that. Well, that's kind of like a very um, deep and complicated um, topic of who got a say. Um, but I think that it was, in a way, an act of desperation. 
um, because of the emergency of the economic situation. I mean, the, the debt is just absurd. It's impossible. It's literally impossible to pay back. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about Promesa except to say that it's not helping and it hasn't helped corruption. It hasn't helped pay back the debt. It hasn't helped the economy. It, it's not working. Um, so at this point, I think that we need to disband the junta and find a different solution that has more to do with what's in the best interest of the citizens of the island. So here you are, you know, seeing all these things and, and you know, talking about these issues. How how do you translate that in terms of your music? I mean, because obviously there's just so much that you can talk about in terms of you know, your music and, and specifically so many Puerto routes Rico. to take it, so many routes to take it from angry political, you know, to just the effect, the way it affects the everyday farmer. How, how do, how do you find inspiration in terms of your lyrics to these matters? I use music to feel better usually. And it's in a way a selfish exercise at first, uh, because it's how I process, um, my reactions to living. And so, like, for example, the Papo del Vivir is a feminist song, and it's very personal to me. I grew up in my summers in Puerto Rico and Christmases not being allowed to be outside, really. I couldn't go anywhere unless it was with my brother. Everyone was terrified that something would happen all the time. And there's, like, maybe people were overprotective, sure, but, you know, the the reality is even now, this many years later, and this many advances for women later from since when I was a little girl, there's still a state of emergency declared in Puerto Rico for all the femicides that happen and for all the like violence against women. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's making it into the news outside of the island, but women are being killed at an outrageous number per day, similar to what's happening in Mexico, uh, and women's lives in general are not being valued. If they're killed, it's not investigated. They're like, oh, well, you know, es que, you know, se pelearon and whatever. Wrong like, place, it, that's wrong or, or she was wrong, asking for or, it, or or any any of the classic things. And for me, I'm just a human being. I just want to do what I want to do. I just want to make music with my friends. I just want to go hang out and go on a walk outside because the weather is nice. I don't want to think about being killed because of my gender. I don't want to have to be so careful all the time. It's a burden to have to live with that fear. And, you know, it's tiresome. So, Papo de Vivir is about that. At the moment, you know, that song, I wrote it as a way of saying, let's reconstruct society. And I'm saying specifically to my girlfriends uh let's do let's you let's all of us band together and reconstruct the society because this is unacceptable and i'm using the symbolism i picture myself in that house in Matorre, so hot in the summer no air conditioning and the park across the street that i can't play in because my grandmother's too afraid something will happen right and how do we tear down those those walls it's re it's really it's really a social it's it's a social commentary but it's a message as well. Lucha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's 
<laughs> una palabra bien simple pero que tiene está bastante cargada you know it's <laughs> you know absolutely so your new record let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that um you know in doing research for the interview uh we obviously you know we came across that it was highly inspired by um you know the events that took place during the hurricane after the hurricane um so tell us a little bit in terms of your new record el machete uh when it's coming out and you know what what we can expect to hear in you know in terms of your experience as a Puerto Rican through this horrible disaster your country went through? The album represents the different ranges of emotions that I went through in that post-Hurricane Maria time. And also just like, so there's songs that are angry, there's songs that are sad, there's songs that are full of love and wanting to like carry my loved ones and give them a break from the exhaustion of just surviving it's part of there's songs about grief it's just um whatever i was going through then i turn it into music because that's what artists do you take the things that are maybe sometimes ugly and you try to make something beautiful that will make somebody else feel something deeply and you then you have that human connection and experience and that's that's what i'm after as an artist yeah. That's how it comes to be about this connection with Puerto Rico is because that was the main, my main focus with, in, in this time, you know, like, it was sort of like a spotlight on my relationship with the island, that feeling of being so f far away and unable to help um, in those first few months, or the feeling of like, no, wait, I'm going to stand up and fight for you because that's what my grandfather taught me to do. So like El Machete, the, Mi Machete, the, the first song on the album is me embracing that identity even more than before and just sort of declaring it like, yes, I'm here and I'm going to do what I can with, with what I have to um, be a part of this. Well, I think you, you know, obviously are interpreting that through your song and your and your your art, but you've also, um, you know, were the co-founder of the Puerto Rico Independent Musicians and Artists or Prima, um, which is an organization that it was it was established after Hurricane Maria, correct? That's correct. After the hurricanes, then we started getting uh, reports back from the island. You know, I'm here in New York communication was really spotty but I had a friend who had a connection could get messages out through Facebook mm -hmm. messenger and so I was in touch with him every day getting reports back and I was asking you know what do people need really like what what can we do right. and it really seemed like as far as the elderly and the children and people that were sick and those there were really huge um, organizations with years of experience that were taking care of those specific demographics and groups of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was uh, less of an awareness of what was happening with the artist community and with the musician community. Um, and so I was talking with my friend Alfredo, who's of Puerto Rico Indie, about how, what can we do to help the musicians and I started pitching like ideas like what we could do 
and then in the meantime, he told me, oh, you should talk to my friend Raquel uh, from Buscabulla. She's having the same idea. And we had all, all, all the diaspora had been, that musicians had been playing benefit shows for Maria Fund and for other organizations. And everybody had been doing what they could do. But then this idea of being specifically focused on musicians helping musicians, uh, Raquel and I had the same idea at the same time. So we got on a... Google Hangout and met for the first time and hit it off and turned out to be neighbors and then wow. in wow. Brooklyn <laughs> and then actually you know her dad lives really close to my dad in Trujillo Alto so that was funny well, you know, it was like met, yeah it was really like meant to be and now she's moved back to to Puerto Rico and so now she's the Puerto Rico representative of Prima and I'm the New York representative of Prima but uh, essentially, what we did was leverage our contacts, our press contacts and uh, resources to get the word out to say, hey, this is a safe place to donate. 100% of the proceeds will go to help musicians directly. Um, and we partnered with a theater company, Pregones Puerto Rican Traveling Theater here in the Bronx, uh, who were our fiscal sponsor because they already had um, an emergency grant program going. So we just plugged into to their um, network. They handled all the administrative part of the money and the, the donations would go through them so that we could focus on the fundraising part and uh, getting the word out to press. And it was very successful and we're we continue to grow and build a community now that the emergency has moved on with we're focusing on, this is like the new normal now, so how do we increase the visibility of artists and, and help them develop their careers and audiences outside of Puerto Rico so that they can live in Puerto Rico, but tour outside or you know have more success? Well, Annie, thank you so much again for, for being a guest on our show. Um, actually, this episode is going to air on the date of the release of your album, El Machete, uh, September 20th. So, listeners, check it out. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic album. Um, and you know what? We really just, we can't wait for it to be released. And, you know, we hope to have you back on our show in the future to talk about your next project. Well, thanks so much for having me. And everybody, if you can check out primafund.org if you want to uh, connect with Puerto Rican artists. Absolutely. We're going to include we'll, a link. We'll, as well. we'll put a link um, on our Instagram and all that. Yeah, it was great. It was having a great conversation with you. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he's he's been looking forward to this like you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy the record just as much. Yeah, thank you so much, Annie. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. And we're back. I always want to go. <laughs> you know what? I was really happy that she was on the show because I had been wanting. You know, I said it in the interview. Yeah. I had been wanting like a strong Puerto v Puerto Rican voice for a long time. Not just somebody who was Puerto Rican, but right. like a strong Puerto Rican, even if activist uh, voice. Because I feel that a lot of times people don't know. You know, as we said there, they just assume that because Puerto Rico is part of the u.s it's fine and dandy and everything is fine and yeah, you know, we're okay like move on but yeah. it, it has its challenges and its realities that um people need to know about so you know I, I i'm very appreciative she was open to talking about that yeah absolutely well 
I'm a little parched. La Isla del Encanto made me thirsty. It really did. It really did. It's time for our last sodas. Uh, I'm very excited about my last soda. I'm very you. excited about mine as well. Okay, I hope, can I go I first? hope it's not the same one. So, <laughs> my last soda goes to one of my favorite people, which I know she's one of your favorite people, who this week got a long, long, long overdue star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And that is our favorite, Judith Light. <gasps> She got a star? She got a star this week. Woohoo! Long overdue. Very long overdue. I mean, she should have got it like 35 years ago. At least. After and one life. Let to me live. tell you something. That woman looks great. She's 70. She's in her early 70s. She's 71, I think. But she looks great. You know, she was in like a pantsuit. She uh, let me tell you something. She rocks a pantsuit like nobody's business. Yeah. Because you know what? The thing with her is that although we love her from Who's a Boss? That's, and, what we, that's what we, but we know Angela, her from. The character of Angela Bauer was not like a cool like. No, she was a nerd. She was kind of nerdy. She was a total nerd. She was a total nerd. So we never got we never got to see her like sexy or right, sassy. Right, right. You know, she was Angela Bauer. Right. You know, she was pretty, but she wasn't. But it was sitcom, cute, but nerdy. she wasn't like sexy. Right. You know. She, well, that was Mona. <laughs> She was Connecticut sexy. She was Connecticut unlike sexy. Blanche. Like Blanche was Georgia sexy. Yes. We, no, we, we always say, like, Ish and I always, like, laugh. We're like, okay, Mona versus Blanche. Because both of them love the men. Yes. And they were right. women of a certain age. They were women of a certain age. And we always talk about, like, okay, who was the bigger, like, slut? <laughs> I think it was Blanche, but that's only because Blanche talked about right, it. Right, because Mona was from Connecticut. She was right. classy she, she New knew England. Como que no se hablaban. Right, right. But she lived in the back house. She lived she had, on top of the garage, mm, no? I think in the back house. Went in the pool house. Um, but she had many a gentleman friend. Uh, many callers. Many callers. Many callers. But she was much, she was Connecticut classy. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of sweater sets. I would like to think that if in I would like to think that I would be Mona and you would be Blanche. <laughs> I think you'd be right, sir. Inherently so. Because God knows I love a tank top, and that's the male equivalent of cleavage. And God knows so, I love jackets. There you and, go, you know. yes. Covering up. So yes. Anyway, anyway. So Judith Light, I mean, Judith Light has had one of those careers that she she has been in so many things that you're like, wow, she, you know, obviously she was on Who's a Boss? Mm-hmm. She was on One Life to Live, was it? Yes, um, that's where she got her daytime Emmy. Right. She was mm-hmm. um, she was an ugly buddy. She also Trans- has been in She's um on, been on Broadway. In um Law and Order. Oh yes, Liz Donnelly. And let's oh. not forget that for like ten to fifteen years on Lifetime, she headlined like every you know That's true. battered wife movie. The ones that Meredith Baxter Bernie didn't do <laughs> in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, it was her. It was her, yeah. and then like it eclipsed to Joanna Kearns. Yes, yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So um, you know, well deserved. We we love her. She's oh. so so awesome. So um, you know, this coke's for you, Angela. Yay, Judith Light. Well. You're right. I do love this person. And so I'm, I'm very happy with that last soda. But my last soda is also going to go to someone that we both love. The Heifer Corporation? Yes. How did, ever did you know? No. But it is, um, it is somebody who's giving back. The Heifer Corporation? The Heifer Corporation. <laughs> you know, maldito el día that I decided to do something nice and bring attention to an organization that helps people get on their feet around the world. But never mind my last soda goes to the Ping Pong Boom Book. Oh, our friends at the Ping Pong Boom Book. Our friends at the Ping Pong Boom Book. Boom Book. Now, for those of you who don't know, we actually have an interview with um, 
with Denise and Alex, the creators of the Bean Pan Poon book. On it's our on our YouTube, YouTube page. page, so please do feel free to check that out. But the reason that I'm giving it to them is not only did they create a book of, of Cuban sayings, which is why they call it Bean Pan Poon, because that's the fold-out bed, because that's when you when you unfold it, you go bing, bang, boom. Um, so they created a book, and they sell it online, and actually in honor of, his, of Hispanic Heritage Month. So during Hispanic Heritage Month, from the 15th of September through the uh, 15th of October, which is your birthday, mm-hmm. they are going to donate 25% of all their online sales toward actually donating bean pan poon beds to the Lotus Shelter, Lotus House oh, Shelter yes, for battered women, for women and children. Mm-hmm. So that means that for every 20 books they sell, a family in need gets a bed. Um, for those of us, for those of you who don't know. Lotus House is a local Miami organization uh, dedicated to improving the lives of homeless women, youth, and children. They provide sanctuary support, education, they are an amazing corporation, tools. I volunteered and, for them and resources that empower them to heal, learn, grow, and blossom into who they are truly meant to be. So, guys, first of all, if you haven't already bought the Bean Pan Boon book, um, you go to Bean Pan Boon P I N as a Nancy P A N as a Nancy P U N as a Nancy dot co. Um, and buy it. It's a it's a great little book. It, it makes a great gift, a great little you know surprise for for people in your life. Um, honestly, every time I see these guys, I always tell them how much I freaking love them, and I'm so happy for their success. You know, it, it, they're just genuinely really good people, good hearted people, and this proves it. You know, they're they've had so much success in a relatively short amount of time and they are giving back. And I can't think of anything. And I encourage people to watch our YouTube interview of them, not because it's our interview, but because it says the story on how they came up with the book. And yeah, yeah. That's an example how sometimes you create magic and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. So yeah, so I wanted to give it to our to our friends at Beam Pumpoon. So, you know, and hopefully, like I said, if you don't have the book, the book is hilarious. And there's even a coloring book, too. Mm-hmm. So you've got options, people. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. Yep. So Bing, bang, boom, and Judith Light. And Judith Light. I feel like Judith Light would sleep on a Bing, bang, boom. Of course. Yeah. She, especially yeah. if it was for charity. Yeah, she would. She, I mean, she shaved her head for charity. Well, no, she shaved her head for a role. Oh. Yeah, she was, play, she was playing a breast cancer survivor. And wasn't it for charity? No. She, okay. Never mind. No. Anyway, but, but she doesn't. She does a lot of charity work. She does. Yes. She does. Yes, especially yes. with uh, LGBT causes. Yes. Denny yeah. Pinterano would know. Yes. And actually, she the reason she started getting involved with LGBT is not because the kid was gay, but with her involvement in the Ryan White story. Mm-hmm. That's where she became a big AIDS activist. Mm-hmm. So but she was ahead of her time, and she will always be ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. She probably has a flying car. <laughs> Angela Bauer. Anyway, uh, that was episode 81, people. 81, yes. oh, not 82. You got it right. Okay, good. You got it right. 81. Um, as always, we hope you listen, laugh, and learn. And we hope you grab your patelito, your croqueta, your jupinha. And thank you for joining us. Yep. And go buy the Bim Pam Pum book. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.